guys! Welcome back to Trailer Trashing. On today's episode, we each have a classic fairy tale to bring into our conversation centered around feminism. If you were here for last week's episode, we talked about masculinity in Sleeping Beauty, Mulan, and Beauty and the Beast. If you're interested in listening to that conversation, check out the link in our description. If you're new here, every week we pick a topic and we each choose the movie of a classic fairy tale story and discuss the trailers on air. Without further ado, let's introduce our hosts and get into these tales. Hi, my name is Amira, and today I will be talking about... Peter Pan. Hi, I'm Maddie, and the tale I'll be introducing today is... The Twelve Dancing Princesses. My name is Gigi, and the tale I'll be taking a close look at today is... Snow White. So today, I'm going to be talking about two different Peter Pan-related movie trailers. The original Peter Pan story was a play and novel created by J.M. Barrie in the early 1900s, and since then, there have been many adaptations and spin-offs of the story. Disney has taken much of an interest in the story and its characters, and has since created many different adaptations, starting with its first Peter Pan movie in 1953. I recently rewatched that movie for the first time in years, and I was shocked at it. I didn't realize as a child how problematic it was, both relating to race and gender. They even have a disclaimer if you try to watch the movie now on Disney Plus at the beginning, saying how racist the movie is. But anyways, after seeing the gender roles in that version of Peter Pan, I wanted to see what role gender plays in other adaptations. The first movie I will be talking about is the Tinkerbell movie, created by Walt Disney Studios in 2008. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up watching Tinkerbell movies. I even had a poster from the movie hung up in my room for years. But so, this movie is a sort of prequel to Peter Pan as it tells Tinkerbell's story growing up and it shows her life as a tinker fairy in Pixie Hollow. Disney went on to create a whole film series with this movie. These films are very different from other Peter Pan variations or Peter Pan related movies because they focus on Tinkerbell and do not include Peter Pan or the other main characters in the original story. I thought it would be interesting to see how gender and feminism are portrayed in a version of Peter Pan focused on women where Tinkerbell and her female friends are the main characters. We are going to watch the trailer together off screen, then we will be back to discuss it. Okay, we are back. We just watched the Tinkerbell trailer. So first, there's a few things that I want to point out that I noticed. So I don't know about you guys, but right off the bat, the first thing that I noticed was that there's a female narrator which I think seems pretty typical for, like, a fairy tale movie. I also think there's a stark difference between Disney's Peter Pan movie from 1953 and this Tinkerbell movie from 2008. The more modern version covers the female perspective and has a female main character. More specifically, in this trailer, we don't see any male fairies at all. I think that's such an interesting point to talk about because there is a huge role that these females play in creating a world for the humans. That's the changing of the seasons and bringing the animals like into the world and doing all of these things in a way that is such an important role into that specific area of like human life. I agree. I think it's really interesting how the fairies are given such an important and necessary job. The fairies are shown to be... Of vital importance and going back to Gigi's point I think it's really interesting to see the contrast between this movie and 
the Peter Pan movie of 1953 because Tinkerbell in that movie had a very small role and her and Wendy, the two main female characters, didn't really have much of an importance. So it's great to see the fairies being a lot more important in this movie. I think there's such a level of camaraderie between them too. I think that's really important to note. Like you said, that she had such a small role in the Peter Pan movie, the original film in 1953. But when you look at Tinkerbell, it's quite literally her finding this family on like of her own that she she found and she made. And there's very little tension between her and other characters, which I think is a huge difference because she was always seen as sassy and bickering. And I'm not saying that she's not that way in Tinkerbell, but there is a huge part of her that is overtly generous and caring and kind to the people that she's with. I also think there's something to be said about the movie clips they showcase in the trailer, where most of them show the fairies supporting each other and being very tight-knit. They're shown laughing and dancing and hugging each other, which I think alludes to the camaraderie among women that we don't see in the original Peter Pan film. I completely agree, but I think that we should look at the next trailer that I have to see if there's any similarities. So the second trailer that I will be talking about today is Peter Pan and Wendy, the upcoming live-action Disney film. I wanted to include this one because it is going to be released very soon and might be out by the time you are listening. It is set to be released April 28th, 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Okay, we are back! So, this is definitely a more traditional Peter Pan story, and it is adapted from J.M. Barry's original play and novel. And as you guys know, I'm sure, Disney's been creating live-action versions for a lot of movies they've done previously, like Cinderella, Mulan, Aladdin. And you know, when I first watched this trailer, I could definitely notice the changes from Disney's first Peter Pan film and from the original story. Like, Wendy's given a lot more of a focus in this film, even though it is a Peter Pan story, the name was changed to Peter Pan and Wendy. The original play was actually titled Peter and Wendy, and so I think Disney going back to including Wendy's name in the title says a lot. I agree, Amira. My biggest takeaway from the trailer is that Wendy is almost in every clip, and Peter Pan has, I think, one full line in the trailer. Were you expecting someone else? I think it's interesting that you both say this because I think I might have a contrasting point of view. I think looking at this trailer specifically, this just looks like it is going to be a live action version of the 1953 movie. And while there's nothing wrong with that, I think it brings into account that even the lines, it's clear how much of an impact Peter Pan has on the world around him because they quite literally say, Peter found it. Peter created this for us. Like it's this idea that Peter is this revolving He's the center of the universe, essentially. This this is all about him and the world that he has created for the people he is with. I do see your point of view, and I think that might just be an inherent part of the story of Peter Pan. But from this trailer, it seems to me that Disney has made at least a little bit of an effort to be more gender inclusive. I don't know if you guys remember, but there's one part in the trailer where the Lost Boys are shown, where Wendy finds the Lost Boys, and she is surprised and she is a little confused, and she says, but you're not all boys. Lost boys. Every last one of us. But you're not all boys. So? I think it's really interesting that Disney made the choice to make the Lost Boys both girls and boys. It was quite a delightful thing to see, honestly, because I think it's such a huge contrast from what we're used to. And even when you look at the things that are more like marketed as a Peter Pan item, for example, I don't know if either of you have been to Disney World, but on the ride, Peter Pan, 
they have the Lost Boys as all of the boys from the movie centered in a circle. And all, obviously there's huge problems with the ride because it is the 1953 version with the same characters. So you have a little bit more of an issue there. But I, I do appreciate that they had kind of more inclusivity in this. It's, it's a very nice thing to see when it's a story that we all know. We're looking forward to seeing this movie when it comes out to see how accurate our takes are based on the trailer. So you guys at home, mark your calendars for April 28th. next story we'll be talking about is the 12 dancing princesses which in the original Grimm's tale was actually called the shoes that were danced to pieces so it isn't a really well-known story however many Barbie fans might recall that movie that was made in the early 2000s and although it was a good movie there are some much darker undertones to the original story itself So the Grimm's Brothers version of the 12 Dancing Princesses, as I said, was originally called The Shoes That Were Danced to Pieces. So in the original story, the girls were locked in their room every night by their father, and when he would unlock their door the next day, their shoes would be in pieces and torn. He hired different men to come and figure out what was going on and why their shoes would be in pieces because he thought there was something much larger happening. The girls would then drug these men that the king would bring in to kind of figure out the situation and they would drug him so they wouldn't know that these 12 girls were going to an underground kingdom that they had coincidentally in their bedroom. So at one point the king had hired a knight to come in and that knight was described as being older, he was wiser and whatnot and he came across this old woman who told him to not drink the wine and she also gave him a cloak of invisibility. After he met with this woman, he didn't drink the wine that he was given by the girls, and it found out that he was actually drugging, that these girls were drugging these men that were coming in to figure out what was going on. And because of this, um, he was able to follow them into this underground kingdom, figure out that they were going to meet these 12 other princesses, princes in the kingdom. And because of this, he brought this information back to the king, And the king said that he could pick any of these 12 princesses to marry. And to me, it's kind of ironic how the king is trying to protect his daughters in a very, like, helicopter parent kind of way. But in the end, is so willing to give them up for the sake of having someone figure out what was going on and, like, why their shoes were in pieces. Much of this story is actually male-dominated, and you can see that when you read it. But the girls may have had um, been the focus of the story, but their actions were dictated and driven by the males around them in the story so every night they would dance after their father had locked them away in their room and then the night that would eventually become the winner of the king's challenge becomes the reason that they are caught and the girls have no autonomy over themselves because of these male characters who are completely controlling their life because of this kind of story that's happening here and the the representation of shoes are important in the story because the shoes are a representation of their freedom so they are given these shoes by their father however their actions are what makes them have to be further questioned so they actually start living for once they start becoming free and it's a problem with their father and he literally tries to hire somebody to figure out what's going on so we're going to take a second to go watch the trailer and then we'll be right back with you guys to kind of discuss about it and talk about it 
Alrighty, so we are back. So after watching the trailer, you can tell that given the points of the original story that I told you guys, the trailer is nothing like the original story with the exception of the focus on the shoes. So it's kind of interesting to me, especially because when I was doing a lot of my research on this, that the shoes in the original story are described as being slippers, kind of like the idea of flats that they just slip onto their feet and they're getting broken every night. However, the Barbie company decides that they want to use ballet slippers to really kind of give the Barbie characters like this elegance to them, make them more girly and appeal to a younger audience, I think. So it's kind of just interesting to me that like that's the case. So then after taking a look at this trailer, there aren't many mentions of the male characters at all in the trailer, actually. I don't think there's any depictions of them either. So this is a huge deviation from the original story because their entire actions were based off of the male characters surrounding them. And I find it really fascinating that it's an entirely different story besides there being 12 princesses. You don't really get much from the trailer at all, except like very brief things of like, they're saving the world, but what are they saving it from? Like we have no clue at this point. So, I mean, personally, it's a really nostalgic thing for me to see because I used to watch the Barbie movies growing up, but I don't know, what do you guys think about the trailer? Well, back to that point that you were talking about Barbie saving the world. In the trailer, they literally say verbatim, Barbie discovers the magical world and must uncover this world's secrets in order to save her kingdom. In order to save their kingdom. I think this is a refreshing contrast to your usual princess story because usually the male kings and princes are spearheading the saving of the world, but in this movie it's Barbie herself. I completely agree with both of you guys. It definitely felt very nostalgic to me as I also watched Barbie movies growing up and watching this trailer, I think there's really a sense of sisterhood and friendship between the sisters that they were trying to emphasize and portray. And it really reminds me of the Tinkerbell trailer that we just watched because it's focused, as you said, mostly on the girls. There isn't any depiction of the men in the story and it gives them an important role. And as you guys said, it talks about their responsibility to save their kingdom and just overall portrays them as having an important role in the world. I, um, I agree with all of you and I think that my opinion on this movie in general kind of after my research and seeing the trailer has drastically changed so it's changed in a way that I, like there are things i'm noticing now that i never really noticed before and maybe that's because i know the original story now but also maybe that's just because i'm taking a, a kind of a close in-depth look at it so to really wrap this up i kind of just want to hit on the point that the trailer kind of twists everything from the original story that we know um and is it's an entirely different new story and it does seem to follow the most basic of plot points to really get their message across but i also think that given that it is made for a very young audience it's doing a good job at teaching teamwork and being a team and and doing those things together so i think that in all, the Barbie movie did succeed with at least this story, but not in the ways that you would think. Okay, so before I get into the trailer, I want to talk a little bit about the origins of Snow White. This fairy tale first appeared in the Brothers Grimm collection of German oral folk tales in 1812 titled Little Snow White. The Grimm's story is about a girl 
who was, quote, as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as ebony wood, end quote. And her evil stepmother, who was jealous of her beauty and wanted her dead. Her evil stepmother ends up sending a huntsman to kill her and harvest various organs to bring back as proof of her death, but then the huntsman feels bad about killing a little girl, so he lets her go. She is left to fend for herself in the forest until she finds the home of the seven dwarves who end up taking care of her, because, by the way, she's seven years old. Her stepmother finds out where she is, and with the help of her magic mirror, she disguises herself as an old peddler woman and sells Snow White a poisoned apple. Snow White then dies, the dwarves put her in a coffin made of glass, and she is laid to rest, until a prince shows up and is enamored by her beauty. He asks the dwarves to sell him Snow White's corpse, just so he could look at her every day, and the dwarves pitied him, so they did. When the prince's servants were carrying away her coffin, one of them trips and jolts the coffin, dislodging from her throat a piece of the poisoned apple. Snow White wakes up. The prince immediately tells her he loves her and announces that he is going to make her his wife. They had a great wedding, and even Snow White's stepmother was invited. Here, I'll read you guys the last three lines of the story. Then they put a pair of iron shoes into burning coals. They were brought forth with tongs and placed before her. She was forced to step into the red-hot shoes and dance until she fell down dead. This is talking about the evil stepmother. I'm sure the majority of you aren't familiar with this ending. I know I wasn't when I first read it. I was a little confused, but not surprised at how gruesome of an ending it was because grim stories are typically graphic like that. So the trailer of Snow White we're going to be talking about today is the 1937 version by Disney, which was the first ever animation of this story. Fun fact, it's also the first full-length animated film to be produced in English and in Technicolor. We're going to go watch the trailer and we recommend you guys do too. Now, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but in Grimm's Tales, if a woman had any power whatsoever, she's undoubtedly wicked. This ties back to an idea explored by scholar Elizabeth Waining Harris in The Mirror Broken, um, a woman's autobiography in fairy tales, where she holds that female characters are denied character development and basically can only fit into one of two categories. A, passive and beautiful, or B, powerfully wicked and hideous. This definitely ties back to this trailer of Snow White because we can see Snow White is obviously beautiful, but she's incredibly passive. And her stepmother is wicked and evil and also hideous in her disguising herself as an old peddler. We can see in the trailer they include a clip of what she looks like and it's not a pretty picture. I also think it's important to mention how this princess movie in particular, along with many others that soon get animated after, romanticize non-consent. In the trailer, one of the last scenes is the prince bending down to kiss her supposedly dead corpse, which in and of itself is very strange. This prince also immediately claims her as his own, and she has no say whatsoever, just as she had no say in anything else in her life, tying back to Harris's idea that beauty equates to passivity. I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I think you make some very great points about kind of the relationships that we see with Snow White, the idea of like the wickedness, because even the stepmother was in this darker morose colors but snow white was so vibrant in the colors she was wearing the bright blue the bright yellow the bright the bright reds so it's very clear that there is a huge distinction between good and evil in this movie but i think you bring up an interesting point talking about relationships 
um, especially with the prince in this case, who clearly did something non-consensual. I think it's interesting because as you had mentioned that in the original story, she was seven years old, but in this trailer, she looks to be about halfway through her teens, 16, like 15 years old. So I, th I think it's interesting kind of how they aged her up in that sense. But also it kind of still makes me uneasy because we don't actually know how old the prince is. We have no indication how old this man is except for the fact that he is going to be king soon, which probably puts him at his late teens, early 20s, which presents its own problems with everything that he just did in this trailer. And I, I think it's very fascinating uh, to kind of see these relationships play out on screens that are meant for younger eyes. And what is that teaching the people that are watching them? I completely agree with both of you. I think that this trailer really romanticizes unsafe relationships with the portrayal of the relationship between the prince and Snow White, especially for the young audiences that this trailer and this movie were made for. Um, I also noticed how, especially compared to the other trailers that we watched today, um, particularly Tinkerbell and Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses, this one has much less of a focus on female friendship or sisterhood, especially compared to Tinkerbell. Um, I think the interactions between Snow White and her stepmother are the main female interactions in this trailer, and their portrayal is very negative. And there is definitely more of a focus on Snow White's interactions with the dwarves and her romance with the prince um, and her needing to be saved by him. So I think that that says a lot about the gender roles in this film. I think those are both incredibly valid perspectives, and I know we would love to hear what you guys think. If you have any anecdotes you would like to contribute to today's conversation about the fight for feminism, please leave them in the comment box on the website page. Alrighty, so to leave you with a few things to think about, is every fairy tale we read really as happy as it seems? We can't be the ones to say for sure if it is in fact the case. However, we invite you to really think about the history behind some of your favorite fairy tales and how feminism fits into those tales. And with that, we will be wrapping up this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and stay tuned for next week's episode. But until then, feel free to check out our website or past episodes. See you next week.